John chapter 9. Why do believers get sick? Why do we have illnesses? Why do we have diseases? Why do we have syndromes and symptoms and all the like? Why do we have those things? We all do. I've thought about that a lot this week. There ain't a family not affected in this congregation without just plagues of problems and issues. Can y'all hear me okay in the back? Can y'all hear me? There ain't a one of us here that ain't got a whole bunch of trouble in this body, in this mind, or in this heart. All of us do. Why? We got some foolish answers. Do you know that? This old man we grew up with in this flesh has some silly, silly things that we come up with. Why? Why? And, and, and I ought not never dare that I would never ask such a question. Yes, I do. Yes, I have. You have too. <laughs> you have. Lie and say you ain't, but you have. The Lord heals a sick man. man that's blind here in our text. And there's a reason this man is blind. There's a purpose for it. We can learn something greatly from it. A purpose. John 9, verse 1. And, and as Jesus passed by. Who's this speaking of? Well, our Lord. It says, and He passed by. What, was, what happened before? He was just with all these Pharisees. And He said, I'm God, is what He's telling them. And He said, before Abraham was, I am. And that made them so mad, so angry, they picked up rocks to stone him. And you know how big them rocks was? <laughs> All sizes. There's some folks that picked up rocks, big as bowling balls, to kill him. They were zealous. And there was people that picked up little tiny pebbles of indifference. There's people that heard the God man stand in front of them, look him in the eye, preach to him, and they slept through it. They didn't care. There much difference? They threw stones, didn't they? They wanted to kill Him. And He disappeared from them. Those that thought that they had physical eyes that they could see, and that they've been all the best colleges and seminaries they was, of course, they've been knowing God their whole life. Of course, they knew Him. Of course, they saw Him. They knew these things. He left them. He passed them by. And He comes to a man that cannot see and knows He's blind. <laughs> and He gives him sight. What we need to learn first off, and as Jesus passed by, He passes by whom He will. He's God. He does what He wants. That ain't said enough in, in this day and age or in any day and age. He does what He wants. He's God. That's His name. If, if He didn't do what He wanted, He ain't God. You are. Or somebody else is. Or a rock or a stone or a tree or a bird or whatever kind of goofy things we come up with. He's God. And boy, He passed by. And like Obama Marmaeus, somebody told him, God's passing by. And he said, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. What if he passes by tonight? There's a mess of people in this room. <laughs> what if he passes by tonight? Oh, he might be pleased to save somebody. He might be pleased to give sight to somebody that thinks they've been seeing their whole life. He might save a sinner. And He may give us sight to see our daily bread today. Wouldn't that be something? That's who it starts with. Verse 1, And as Jesus passed by, He saw a man which was blind from his birth. And His disciples asked Him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, 
that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be manifest, be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation, sent. A pool named Sent. You go wash in it. And he went his way. Therefore, the blind man went the way the Lord told him and washed and came seeing. Tonight we'll look at the beginning of salvation. The need of salvation. And then there's a great discussion over the, the theological doctrine of why man saved. and How come? And what's the rules? And all the answers to all the questions of why. And salvation accomplished one at a time. One on one. As He does with each of His children. And the result, the result of that salvation. We'll be spending some time on this blind fellow the next few weeks, Lord willing. And we looked at this last year. And this miracle hits the, the one with the second most verses committed to it. Do you know that? When we get to John 11, Lazarus was raised. He gets 46 verses committed to that story. This fellow gets 41. That's second most in all the miracles performed. Maybe we ought to pay attention. There may be a lot here for us to learn. And maybe we ought not jump to conclusions. I know what this means. I know how this ends. I know that. Let's, let's be patient and go through this. Let's be patient and look at it. The Lord teaches His people with simple words. But they carry an eternal benefit. They have eternal worth to them. They're not idle words. Everything here means something. I don't want to jump to conclusions. And I don't want to dive in the deep end just like these disciples just did. I don't want to do that. I want to take it just as the Lord tells us. So first, the beginnings of salvation. It says there in verse 1, Jesus passed by, He saw a man which was blind from his birth. What's it going to take for a sinner to be saved? God's going to have to be pleased to do it. He's going to have to look on the situation. He's going to have to act first. It's going to have to be His will and His covenant to do so. Before we see anything. Before mankind knows anything. He's going to have to see that sinner. That's what happens. Turn over to Ezekiel 16. you got Jeremiah after Isaiah. Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. If you get to Daniel, you went too far. Ezekiel 16. Lord saw this blind man. He saw him first. This man was blind from his birth. Here in Ezekiel 16, the Lord seeing somebody right after their birth. Ezekiel 16, verse 1. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations, and say, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan, Thy father is an Amorite, and thy mother an Hittite. How's he start off? All of your heritage is bad things. 
All that pedigree you got ain't worth a nickel. That's what he's saying to them. God said so. Thus saith the Lord. And as for thy nativity, as for that innocent little time when you was born, and you was just a cute, cuddly little baby, as for thy nativity, in the day thou wast born, thy navel was not cut, neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee, thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. Remember what we looked at salted last week? Lot's wife. That's what's required, isn't it? That's required. You didn't meet the requirements from birth. You came into this world, your umbilical cord wasn't cut, you wasn't salted, you didn't have Christ covering you from your birth. You wasn't swaddled at all, had no covering. Verse 5, none I pitied thee, nobody cared. <laughs> to do any of these things unto thee, to have compassion upon thee, that thou wast cast out into an open field, to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. You came out of the womb and you were through in a field left to your defenses. What defenses does a day old baby have? None. And you ain't salted and you're naked and nobody's there and nobody cares. That's called helpless and hopeless. <laughs> Save yourself, little baby. You can't. Verse 6, And when I pass by thee, oh, when the Lord passed by. That's where it started, wasn't it? When I pass by thee and saw thee, <laughs> now we're getting somewhere, and saw thee polluted in thy own blood, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. How's somebody going to be saved? How's a sinner going to be saved? We all have an end. you know that? Everybody in this room is going to die. And you're going to meet your Creator one day. And you're either going to stand there because you made a decision for Jesus. Or you was a good little boy and girl. And you worked hard. And you were super religious. And I never missed a church day. And I sang in the choir. And I played guitar and, and piano and everything else. And saxophone for the church. and We had a drummer. <laughs> it was great. Slideshows, hand out lollipops to kids. Or you're going to stand there covered in the blood of Christ. And that's all going to be the Lord's doing. When He saw His people, He passed by them and He covered them. And He told them, live. How am I going to have spiritual life? God's got to see you, pass, come your way, come nigh to you, where you are, and make you live. By His Word. By what comes out of His mouth. That's what it is. Live. That's how He does it. That's the source of salvation. Now what's the need of salvation? It says in our text, this man, just like all of us, he was blind from his birth. Just like his helpless baby in a field, we have no sight spiritually from our birth. Well, now everybody's got a little good in them. No, they don't. No, they don't. Turn over to Ephesians 4. I'm going to read this to you, but it's good for us to look at. It. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verse 17. Ephesians 4, 17. This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. What Gentiles is that? People of this world. Not physical Gentiles, the spiritual Gentiles. Those that, those that don't know the Lord, and those that walk after the vanities of their mind. I saw 
I get the funniest phone calls and emails. As a church, they fired their pastor mid-service, I guess. <laughs> and uh, but they had a big old backdrop. They had, I mean, who knows how much that sign cost? And it was a cross, and it's always swaying, you know, because it's hip and cool. And it says, "Embody the world." <laughs> At least they're telling the truth. I don't. What foolishness! Don't walk as the Gentiles walk. You have a God. Act like it. Serve Him. Worship Him. Verse 18, having the understanding darkened, that's what this world is, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that was in them because of the blindness of their hearts. Blind from birth. They have blindness in their hearts. And they've got phylacteries and they've got robes and they've got Bibles and they, and they go out and they preach and they sing songs and they sing some of the songs we sing. They preach from the same text we preach, we preach from. And, and they, they conduct marriages and funerals and all kinds of things. And they're graveyard dead. They're blind. Leaders of the blind. That's how we come into this world. Every one of us. This man was blind from birth and he knew it. But he didn't know what it was to see. And I thought about that. Could you, could you describe to somebody that was blind that's never seen what it is to see? He said, well, you look out your eyes. <laughs> well, what's looking? We always say that, don't we? See? See? I knew a fellow that was blind one time. I said, you see what I'm talking about? He goes, I don't see it, Kevin. <laughs> you know what I mean. But take their hands and touch and say, you feel this part of your body I'm touching? Yeah. Well, now... Whenever them things work, you don't have to hear for what's in front of you. Those things that shows you what's in front of you. What show mean? Where do you start? Where do you start to explain to somebody that's blind what it is to see? He never did see. He didn't know what things looked like. But more importantly, he didn't know what he looked like. He didn't know what he looked like. Spiritually, he didn't know his sin. He didn't know this sin-filled earth all around him. This cursed earth that we lived in. He didn't know that. That knowledge, if the Lord gives you eyes to see, you, you don't get cleaner as you get older. You, if you're a child of God, you don't get cleaner as you get older. You get dirtier. And you see your dirt and your sin more and more and more. That's growing in grace. Man grows down if God grows him and Christ is exalted. I must decrease. He must increase. And this world gets just nastier and more vulgar and sicker to us every day. Not just we're getting old and things change. A lot of things change in my lifetime. Uh, I don't like text messaging and shortened letters and all that stuff. <laughs> A lot of things I don't like. I see the sin more and I see my sin more. It waxes greater and greater. Don't it? But thankfully His grace does too. I went three months one time without a mirror. We had a polished piece of plastic on a Humvee that was called a mirror, and you tried to shave in it. After about a week, we quit shaving. <laughs> I went three months. I thought, well, I look just the same as this. It's only been three months. And then I got in front of a real mirror. And you know how much I changed in three months? Well, oh, it was drastic. It was drastic. We don't realize how much we look in a mirror at ourselves and how much we love ourselves and how prim and proper ourselves are until we go without one. We don't realize how much we use a chair until you don't have a chair for a year. <laughs> we have a need for the Lord to look upon us. He knows our frame. That's what we just read in Psalm 103, wasn't it? 
We need Him to look on us as a father pitieth the child and for Him to understand our frame, how weak we truly are, and for Him to do something about it. For Him to be merciful. For it make us cry unto Him. But this man here wasn't crying yet, was he? Was he crying out, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now he was just sitting there, wasn't he? Before the Lord begins to work in us, in one of His sheep, we don't seek Him. We don't know who to seek. We don't know how to seek. We may do what everybody else does. We may do what Grandma and Grandpa did. But we don't know what we're doing. And we truly do not know how bad we ought to seek Him. What's more important? You tell me something's more important than seeking mercy from a God we've offended. There ain't nothing. I'll save you some time. There ain't nothing. Well, I got some stuff going on. You got some stuff going on on the way to hell. Turn over Romans chapter 3. Back a few pages. Romans 3. Romans 3, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. And there's a colon there, isn't it? There's going to be a listing. Paul, tell us what the context of that is, Paul. Verse 11. There is none that understandeth. You ain't got a good handle on it. There is none that seeketh after God, period. Who comes into this world? That's just why I was looking for God. No, you weren't. You're looking for a God. You weren't seeking the true and living God. Not if the Lord hadn't saw you first, if He hadn't passed by your way, if He hadn't done something for you. You've seen somebody you can corral and have reins on and make them do what you want. They are all gone out of the way. They are become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. We have a need to be saved. Salvation begins with the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. He begins it. He finishes it. He sustains it forever. We need it desperately more than we think. Even when the Lord shows us our need, we ain't got a good handle on it. Or we'd hit our faces. We'd be prostrate before the Lord. We'd have the fast that's approved that He gives you can't. You want something to eat? Uh-uh. I need mercy. That's what I need to eat. <laughs> and this is all a heavily debated topic. Did you know that? Back in our text. What a shame. God purposes for His elect, He chose before time because it pleased Him to be saved. He comes to them first. He looks upon them. He seeks them out. He saves His, his people. He saves His sheep. He lays down His life for the sheep. That ain't no good. And He has to because we're graveyard dead. Man ain't got a lick of nothing in Him that's good. And that's a heavily debated topic. Now He can put on airs and you can get you a stack of books that high and go to every college you want to in the world and debate it very carefully with a very fine voice and oratory and that's the problem. That's the debate. Look here in verse 2. And His disciples ask Him, saying, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind? <laughs> you know, it says our Lord saw this man. And he didn't mention him. He was passing by. And he looked and he saw the blind man. And it doesn't say anything about the disciples bringing him up. Did it? His name wasn't called out. <laughs> Is that Tim? Is that Bill? Is that Ralph? Susie? No, nothing. The Lord stopped 
And he looked at that man like a father pitieth a child. I wonder what his face looked like. And he stared at him so long that the disciples, those that followed him, said, what's he looking at? Is he still looking at him? Why is he looking at that fellow? That guy's blind. <laughs> Can you tell? Is he blind? I think he's blind. That's a conversation. The Lord's still looking at him. Never took his eye off of him. And so they come up with their wonderful theological questions. Lord, who did something wrong? This fellow or his mommy and daddy? Is that why he's blind? What happened? The reason he may be blind in man's eyes, a whole lot of thoughts, a pagan reincarnation comes in. These ideals that you keep, if you did something bad in a former life, and then now in this life you come to, and you're either up, or, up a level or down a level, depending on how good or bad you was. No, that's not it. Maybe this is a punishment for generational sins. Because they knew the law, didn't they? They've had the law shoved down their throats from birth. Little blind babies eating the law. And there were the uh, reference here in my Bible is Exodus 20. That's the third commandment. And it says, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, to the idols, the graven image, nor serve them, for I, the Lord God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me. Did he break the law? Did his, did his grandparents break the law? Great-grandparents? Is that why he's blind, Lord? Maybe it was punishment for a, him committing sin. This person, this individual committing something. What if he was saved? We're going to look at this story throughout. 41 verses. Was he saved at the end? Was he saved at the beginning? Is he saved right now already? Was he saved later when he worships? Better question is, am I saved? That's a better question. Better question is, do I see? The Lord told Peter that. He said, if I, if I will that he tarry till I come, if one of my children, I decide that they wait till I come, what's that to you, Peter? And he said, follow me. What's that to you? Follow me. Old Brother Pink wrote this one time, and I want to read this slowly. Let us beware of becoming so occupied of the problems of theology that we fail to preach the gospel to lost souls. Amen. Amen. Let's quit getting wrapped around the axles about the... the, the well, this is prevenient grace. Let's preach the gospel to the lost sinners. How about that? That's what I need to hear. I want to hear how God saves sinners. How sure is that salvation that He performs? Do I got a hand in it? Because I better not. It ain't sure if I do. Am I plumb saved? Am I plumb holy? Plumb righteous? Forever, ever, ever? No matter what? That's what I need to hear. Whose fault is this? Whose condemnation? Who's condemning this man? That's what they're asking. Didn't we see that in chapter 8? That woman caught in adultery. And the Lord came to her and after He run them all off one at a time, starting with the oldest, working his way down. And He said, Woman, who are thy, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned me? And she said, No, Lord. They ain't here. And He said unto her, He told her some great news, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and send no more. What's wrong with this fellow? Why is he blind? Who sinned? Who broke the law? Well, what a lesson to learn for us. Did any one of these disciples who profess to be given sight, spiritual sight, did any of them, 
Did they kneel down real close to this blind fellow, get right up in his ear and whisper to him and say, God's right in front of you. The God man, the Messiah, the one promised. He's standing right there. He saved me. If he saved me, he save anybody. Call to him. Call to him. Cast all your care on him right now. Beg him to give mercy. He delights to show mercy. Call on him. Did a one of them do that? They were accurate. <laughs> they were looking for accuracy, not love. Wasn't it? You see the big difference? Big difference, ain't they? <sighs> What's the answer to that? Who's sin, Lord? Why is this fellow sick? Why does he have a permanent condition his whole life? He's at least 30 years old. Because his mommy and daddy said, he's a man, you tell him. <laughs> Why was this, this ailment given to him? Look here in verse 3. John 9, verse 3. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Was this man a sinner? Of course he was a sinner. Of course. What about his mom and daddy? Were they sinners? Were they, did they come into this world wholly different than somebody else? No. Of course they were sinners. All have sinned and come short. But the primary cause of the illness, that was the question they had, wasn't it? Primary cause of the illness, as it is with all things that are given to believers. If you've got the sniffles, or you've got a broken heart, or you've got a broken mind, or a broken body, whatever it is, if it's given to a child of God, it's for the glory of God being manifest in that saint. What a thought. What a thought. How many times do we hear of a trial? God gives to one of His, His children and we think, what'd they do? i got to know the details. Well, what happened? Well, how did this come about? Well, what about this? Well, what about that? And they don't stop until you pass out and hyperventilate from exhale and not inhale. <laughs> why, 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 why? Who got you sick? I had a man of great intelligence one time. I got, I got the flu years ago, 15 years ago. I mean, big mind. Got a Wikipedia page. Big fella. And three weeks later, he got sick. And he said, you got me sick. And I laughed. And I said, yeah, all right. And, no, he was mad. Like I intentionally had staged this coughing his Cheerios or something. I thought you were supposed to have some intelligence. You're a fool. What's, what's wrong? I didn't make you sick. God made you sick. That's what Job's miserable accusers come to him, didn't he? These wise religious men. And they said, what'd you do? What'd you do? You did something. What'd you do? Them legalists, that's what they did. What happened? Tell me what happened. What'd you do? What'd you think? You said something. You done something. And Elihu, this young fella, stood up and he said, I'm like a, a, a bottle of wine that's getting ready to bust. I can't hold it in no longer. You knuckleheads, what's wrong with you? Walking around professing your knowledge to men and learned and everything. And he said, I attended unto you. I waited on you. And behold, there was none of you that convinced Job or answered his words. Not a one of you could have something to say to him. You can't change his mind. He said, lest you should say, 
We have found out wisdom. He told these old learned men, we finally got some wisdom. God thrusteth him down, not man. Why believers get sick? Because God gave it to them. He thrust them down so He could be made manifest. His works, His glory, His sovereign power on all things could be made manifest in their hearts. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. So let's quit acting like fools. Christ must send illnesses and diseases at the appropriate time. He said in verse 4, I must work the works of Him that sent me while it's day. The night cometh when no man can work. This man was at least 30 years old. That's when our Lord entered His public ministry. He was little babies until he was 30. And when he was 30, you go down to Sanhedrin and that's if you was fit for <laughs> lay hands on you. Something. We can use We'll ordain this one to be... <laughs> No one said, Lord, went to work. What did John the Baptist do? He turned 30, he went to work. So they said, this, he's a man, you ask him. His parents asked down in verse 23. They said, he's a man, ask him. Lord must do this, and he did it in time. He let this man stay blind a long time. What a blessing if the Lord makes somebody blind, or halt, or, or weak in the heart. What a blessing if the Lord gives somebody cancer. That's wonderful. Good. Wonderful. What if he does that to save them? What a privilege it is for a believer to be given a tremendous trial that the glory of God, that His workmanship might be made manifest in them. Oh, it's a blessing. That's, that's a work of God. That's something special. We know some folks right now ate up with cancer and diseases and family problems and everything else from inside out. If they're God's children, what a blessing that is. What a blessing. What are we reading Romans 5.3? We have tribulations. That works patience. And patience, then you start doing that over and over, you get some experience with it. And then you're not hopeless no more. You have hope. Experience works hope. And hope, that kind of hope that God gives through the trials He sends, it maketh not ashamed. You ain't going to be ashamed from it. Why? What kind of hope you have? Well, i got strong faith. No, you got a strong God. <laughs> i got a strong Savior. Christ is my hope. That's why I'm not made ashamed. He said in verse 5, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Well, He's ascended now. This happened 2,000 years ago. As Brother Greg said the other day, this happened the day before yesterday. In Lord's time. This happened a long time ago, didn't it? He's ascended. What's that mean? His light's the only light, but He sends it through His people, don't we? We'll send a bit. Our darkness is coming, individually. And we should persuade sinners while we have light while we live on this earth. Darkness is approaching. I'll die. You are going to die. And what a privilege it is while we are alive to tell sinners where mercy can be found. And sometimes we get to see mercy happen. <laughs> we get to see the Lord work and save His people from their sins and tell them about it. He saw them, He comes to them, and He works in them. And we get to watch that happen. What a blessing that is. We, we rejoice on this earth. The heavens rejoice, don't they? Over one sinner that repents. And eternity will all know. That's a, that's a blessing we have now. The work that we have in this ministry that God gave us for us to preach the Gospel is only happening on this earth. When we're in glory, everybody will know Him. 
Hebrews 8, 11 says, And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, know Him, come to Him, cry for mercy, for all shall know Me from the least to the greatest. We'll all know Him then. But while believers are on this earth, we're told to preach the gospel to all creatures, every corner that we can get it. And Solomon wrote this, The wisest man born of Adam. Let's listen to it. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. Semicolon people always stop there, don't they? The Lord put it in your hand to do it. Do it with all you might. Give it all you got. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. That's where you're going. You're going to die. God's gave us something to put in our hands. He gave us the good news of His Son, the person and work of Christ Jesus our Lord. We have a Lord now. <laughs> what a privilege it is to further His Gospel. Christ begins salvation by His look, His intention, because there's a true need. And debating it doesn't matter. Not to the one who's being saved. What's the facts? What's the inner workings of this? It don't matter. <laughs> am I His or am I no? That's what I want to know. But there's a work of salvation. He initiates it. There's a great need. People debate about it all the time. But God does it. Here's what He does. John 9, verse 6. When He had thus spoken, He spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And He anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation, sent. You go wash in the pool named Sent. You know, that's a despised means the Lord used here. That's a gross means. He spit. Would you like me to spit on? Would you like me to spit in my hand and rub it on you? No, ooh, get away from me. That's gross. You've got germs, don't you? That's foolish means, isn't it? But oh, the value of this God-man's spit. Oh, what what precious spittle that is. Can you imagine? That's what that woman believed when she said, if I could but touch the hem of His garment. Don't you dare spit on me. But if that man spit on me, <laughs> oh, it changes because of the who. Doesn't it? It's not gross if you know whose spit that is. He's the water of life. That's what came out of His mouth. And He became a man like Adam, like us, to be our representative. Dirt. That's what Adam is, isn't it? Red dirt. God picked up dirt. He put living water in it. And He took that and mushed it up made clay. And He made it one with that blind man. And smushed it into him. You see that? Christ came to the earth. He became one with His people. And He's revealed in us. He makes His abode in us. Makes us one with His Son. That's a despised and foolish means, isn't it? Wouldn't covering a man's eyes make it harder to see? In our logic, hey, he's blind, he can't see nothing anyway. You just put a big old mud bath on him. He ain't gonna see, surely he ain't gonna see nothing now. Oh, if that man could see at that minute, right then when the Lord put that on his eyes, you know what he'd see? Christ the God man. <laughs> Heaven and earth met together in one. That's all he would see, wouldn't it? Nicodemus had to. Learn this. He was one of the Pharisees, one of the Sanhedrin ruler of the Jews, a mighty religious man. And he came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles 
that thou doest except God be with him. And the Lord said unto him, Verily, verily, truly, truly, you pay attention, you pay attention. I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I got just as much being born the second time as I did the first time. God had to do it. It had to please Him to separate me from my mother's womb. This is the same in our day. Nothing's changed. The Lord says as long as He's in this world, He's the light of the world, isn't He? Well, he's a sinner. What about now? The Word of life must be put in some dirt. He takes earthen vessels, clay pots, and He applies Christ to those that He saw before time by using His Word, what come out of His mouth in His earthen vessels. Paul said that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power of God may be of Him, not of us. <laughs> How does God save sinners? Through the foolishness of preaching. You mean some guy's got to stand up? That's as foolish as spitting on the ground, isn't it? You mean you ain't going to know God unless the Lord sends a man to stand up and speak to you what He says? Yeah, that's it. That's the only way it's going to happen. Well, what about a false gospel? He said no. He said it won't profit my people. I worry. I worry for people. I do. My heart hurts for them. Like, almost like i got to give an account. People think they've been saved underneath some nonsense and then they happen to come around to this is a better way of thinking because they're higher on the hog. they get a little higher theology now. Oh, don't, don't rely on them things. You'll perish in your sins. Bow to God. Cry to Him for mercy. He'll give you sight. And those earthen vessels the Lord sends that He puts His water in. That mud, He mashes us together. That's what they said. We're a building fitly framed together that groweth unto a holy temple of the Lord. All those blocks, a tool didn't touch them. They had to be rubbed together. Rubbed together. The Lord spits on the ground and mashes together that blind man. And He gives His water into some old dirt. And He uses that to make Christ manifest in the heart of His children. That's what happens in our day through the preaching of the Gospel. Together, local assemblies. The church in our generation, the body as a whole, just like our father Abraham, we look for a city that hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. We look for Christ's coming, don't we? What's the result of salvation? If the Lord does this work, is that guy going to unsee? <laughs> no, he ain't neither. Look here. Here's the result of the Lord working in somebody. He said in verse 7, here's a command with instruction given with it. John 9, verse 7, He said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of scent. What's scent? Christ was the one that was sent, didn't He? He said, You go and wash and be immersed in Christ only. Go drown yourself in Christ. Go cover yourself in Him, in that pool of Christ. That's what we do in baptism, don't we? When we first hear the Gospel, the truth, and the Lord tells His children to do something, you do it. You obey. And we go into the waters to, to show we were buried with Him. We died with Him. We live perfect in this life, in Him. We died on that cross in Him. Our sins put Him there. We, we were buried with Him, and we're risen with Him right now. Well, what a hope we have to... This old body dies. What's that? That's nothing. Sin's been put away. We've been given eternal life. But he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. 
Here's the result. He went. He went. He went his way, therefore. He went the way of Christ, the way he told him. And he washed and he came out seeing. When the Lord gives life, he knows his sheep. And he loves them. They follow him. They follow him. They obey him. Do we, do we obey the law and the letter? No, we obey the law of Christ. That law of liberty. Law of love. That's what we want to do. I pray He'd come to us and, and use whatever means pleases Him and give eyes to the blind. Wouldn't that be something? What well, Lord made, made us see today? He, if we keep this up, He's going to save somebody. <laughs> he's going to comfort His people. And He's going to be glorified. Amen.